0: Hello and welcome to episode number 346 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. Today, for this episode, Fuchsia has followed us everywhere. We are deep diving into the history of romance cover art with Kelly Faircloth, Kelly is a senior writer for Jezebel and a frequent writer of excellent journalism about romance. I've interviewed her before, but this time I'm going to talk to her about her Valentine's Day feature, which examined the artist behind the romance cover art that we know and love. Here are the top four titles that I almost used for this episode. Number four, fuchsia, Tio, or both. Number three, busting open historical bodices. Number two, Sarah and Kelly Hunt for Boners. And the number one, I almost used this, fuchsia is indeed a genre descriptor. You know that romance cover art is one of my favorite things, so I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And speaking of things that we enjoy, if you are attending Book Lovers Con in New Orleans in May... And you would like to come see us record a podcast live. It would be so great if you came Thursday, May 16, 3.30 p.m. local time at the Hyatt Regency in New Orleans. Amanda, Elise, and I are going to record a live show at Book Lovers con and I hope you'll join us. We're going to play Cards Against Romance tropes. I might pepper them with terrible trivia. We'll definitely be silly about something, and there will probably also be wine. We'll be in Imperial 5C, and this is free for attendees of BookloversCon, but we are asking for folks to register so we know how many chairs we'll need. I have links in the show notes to sign up and RSVP and let us know you're coming, and I hope that if you're attending Book Lovers Con, you will come hang out with us for the live show because it's really fun to do this in front of an audience as opposed to just me in a room talking into a box. That is also fun, but this is way better. Each episode of the podcast, as you know, receives a transcript, and the transcripts are compiled by Garlic Knitter. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. And this one is brought to you by the Patreon community. The podcast has a Patreon at patreon.com slash smartbitches, and every pledge helps me make sure that every episode has a transcript and helps keep the show going. Monthly pledges start at $1, and because goals are always good to have, I have some new patron goals to try to level up the podcast. So here's the deal. If I get to 350 patrons, we will start hosting quarterly Ask Us Anything conversations. You want book recs? You want need need advice? You want us to tell you what to wear? What color should you paint your kitchen? You can ask us. We will give you uncommonly good answers. Other goals include an exclusive audio feed just for patrons and the option for a live call-in show. Have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches to see how close we are and maybe you can join in. It would be wonderful if you did. Your support for the show means a lot, so thank you. Speaking of, I have two compliments this week. I love doing this. This is so fun. Okay. Amanda P. You have worked heckin' hard for your accomplishments and the things that bring you joy, and you deserve to feel exceptionally excellent about them. Good job. And to Kirsten, I hope I'm saying that correctly, there is a new line of scented candles, and one of them was inspired by you. It is the best seller, and it does not give a single person anywhere a scent headache. Excellent. And I have a special message this week for Angelica M. Keep going. You have got this. The music you are listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. I will have information at the end of the show as to who this is. I will also have a preview of what is coming up on Smart Bitches this coming week. And at the very, very end, I have a terrible joke. This one's so bad. I love it so much. I've been torturing my kids with it. So I hope you <laughs> hope you stay to the end. I also will have links to some of the topics that we talk about in our conversation a link to a Q&A that I reference, and of course a link to the original piece that inspired this entire interview, plus all the books that we talked about, including with their original covers, because if you're gonna talk about seeing Fabio in purple tights, then you wanna see Fabio in purple tights, right? Right, of course. The garbage truck has arrived. It is time for Zeb to be barking, which means that it is time for me to move on to editing this podcast. Let's do the show. On with the interview with Kelly Faircloth. Do you know about the podcast you're wrong about?
1: I do. And I keep meaning to like sit down and start listening to it because I've seen several go by where I was like, oh, I'm curious about that. Oh, I'm curious about that. Oh, I'm also curious about that.
0: Okay. This is so much your catnip. Like I cannot more emphatically personally recommend this to you (laughs) because the two journalists who do it are exactly the kind of journalist you are, which is I'm going to take the deepest submersible into the past of nerddom that I possibly can. And I'm going to get one of those pressure suits and it's going to be great. And Sarah Marshall, who's the, um, there's a dude and a woman, the the guy is Mike Hobbs and the the dude or the woman is Sarah Marshall, Mm -hmm. which is a really unfortunate name, I think, because there's like been a bunch of movie heroines named Sarah Marshall. (laughs) Anyway, each episode, she says something that is incredible. Like there's one episode about you're wrong about alpha males, which as you might imagine is uh, relevant to my interests, right? Absolutely. So the entire deconstruction of why this term came into our lexicon and in our culture is fascinating. But at one point, I love this quote so much, I wrote it down and I might have to cross stitch it. She says, and I quote, white men can't be motivated to do anything unless you call it a hack and then they jump right on it.
1: (laughs) For dudes. (laughs) Right? Oh, boy.
0: It's incredible. It's it's exactly the kind of journalism I think that you would dig because it takes a really deep nerdy dive. And the other general rule of the show is if a if a prominent dude's downfall is being blamed on a woman, take another look.
1: Oh yeah. That sounds like extremely relevant to my interests.
0: Oh, it's it's very much your catnip. I am really sorry for all the time you're about to lose.
1: <laughs> well, it's good because I've run out of episodes of my favorite podcast, which is the BBC's In Our Time. Which is this, oh. where, where this like ext- Okay, so it's like I mean it's been going for like twenty or thirty years. It's this host, and what he does is he picks a topic like Jane Eyre or like Elizabeth Gaskell or like like late medieval renaissance, whatever, or so, not late medieval renaissance, but you know what I mean, like some yeah. specific topic, and he gets three academic experts and he puts them all in a panel and he bosses them around, and it is just the most the best. It is so good. It is so fascinating. I learned so much from it. And I have listened to like so much of the archives that I'm, I like now I'm like waiting every week for something to load. So I'm like constantly looking for stuff to listen to when I'm when I'm between inner time podcasts. So,
0: oh, you you are going to be so happy. <laughs> Would you please introduce yourself and tell the people who will be listening who you are and what you do when we're not talking about podcasts? Obviously.
1: <laughs> so my name is Kelly Fairclough. I'm a senior writer for Jezebel.com. I cover things like women's history in books, and um, I particularly love to write about the history of romance novels, which I'm obsessed with. Ever since I stole my mother's copy of The Wolf and the Dove, um, and now I've spent a lifetime reading romance novels and also um, telling my editors fun facts about the history of the genre until they say, "Kelly, I swear to God, if you don't write a piece about this, you're going to be trouble. I remember at
0: an RWA, I think it might have been the last RWA in New York, I was sitting in a corner charging my computer and you came and sat down next to me and I was like, hey, and I never told you this, but my inner 13-year-old completely lost her shit. Like, <laughs> oh my God, Kelly Pickles just sat down next to me on the carpet. Holy shit. I'm sharing the power with Kelly. Oh my God. Yeah, it was, it was a big moment for me. What's so you and
1: I, I was the same way because I was like, oh my God, it's Sarah. It's my <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> oh my God. And also there really weren't enough power outlets. <laughs> no, there are never
0: enough power outlets. They will take over the men's rooms and turn them into ladies' rooms in ways that every year I find absolutely amazing. Like they put flowers and tablecloths on the urinals in case we, you know, were inclined to use them or something. But every year men's rooms will be turned into women's rooms, but there's never enough power outlets.
1: Let's run a generator in one of those men's rooms.
0: Right. I'm gonna bring the world's biggest squid. <laughs> it would be like the undersea giant squid with like 60 outlets. That would be quite a moneymaker, actually, rent a power power outlet.
1: <laughs> that would be pretty good.
0: <laughs> and then put it like right next to a sensory deprivation tank for all the introverts. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, right? Where's my metric capitalist? <laughs> so you and I have a very large overlap of our interest when it comes to romance, particularly the covers, because as you know, I also adore them. <laughs> You wrote a wonderful essay uh, published on Valentine's Day. And as I'm sure you are aware, the whole genre sort of like assumes a defensive posture around February 1st because we know what's coming and it's not going to be good. And then you did this incredibly cool deep dive into covers and how they how they came to be the way they looked and still look and who were the women who we don't know about behind them. What led to your writing about this? And do you like fuchsia or do you prefer the the teal ones? <laughs>
1: um I like fuchsia. I love fuchsia. I love everything about fuchsia. Um but you know I'm I love not, how it's spelled. But I'm not mad at teal. Um, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> um so this is one, like you know I like I'm always like looking for sort of interesting ways into the topic because I love writing about it. I love reading about it. And this is one where, um, I will sort of realize that like, you know, that there are things that like, you know, I know because I'm so obsessed with the history of it where I can actually like, I, where I'm like, oh, this is actually an entire piece and I can like write it, you know, and like, you know, fairly quickly (laughs) because I'm so like, I'm, you know, I just like read this stuff for fun. I enjoy like doing these research deep dives and it's something that, that people are, it's, it's, what I like is this gap between like, like we were talking about the podcast you're wrong about. And I love that kind of knowledge gap where it's something that's very familiar to people, but they don't know anything about it. And I think that covers romance covers are sort of the perfect example of that where like, you know, I like I opened a piece with this, this, um, this clip I actually found by accident. I didn't know I was going to find it um, of Johnny Carson making fun of the covers. And it's like, to me that typifies like the way so many people have encountered the genre. Which is everybody knows the covers. The covers are this incredibly iconic, famous visual style. But people picked yes. up a specific type of the covers on a specific type of the books. And I was really curious about like ha- and 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 like readers see certain things when they look at those covers and non readers see a different set of things. And I'm I'm just sort of like really interested in any sort of, you know, moment where there's like a gap between what people see and what people know and and like where you can sort of tell sp- Tell people something that, you know, like tell people like a backstory or like a larger story that they didn't know. So it was like exactly the type of thing that I love to write about, basically.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, there's so much to talk about because the minute you sort of like tug that one string, there is so much there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what was great about it. I mean, like, I could have honestly, I like, I could have written, you know, I'd like, I, you could write an entire book about it. And I would love to write an entire book about it one day because it's like, it's just, it's like so rich and it's such an interesting, like, I mean, a lot of this is happening in like the late seventies and the early to mid eighties and the early nineties where a lot of interesting stuff is happening about like around gender roles and like, and, and all this sort of stuff anyway. So there's like a lot going on. That's interesting. Like it intersects in interesting ways with like the sort of broader cultural currents um, in a way that I think is, you know, really interesting, but then you can also just spend like you can spend, like a thousand words just like devo- like describing these covers and all their beautiful glory and then then you've like written half of an essay and you know so there you are.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the minute you put those images up everyone is an expert on them.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Which is which is incredible to me. Like everyone knows exactly what they're talking about.
1: <laughs> it's amazing how true that is in <laughs> In so so many respects about so many things. (laughs) Yes, especially when women are involved. Yeah, of course,
0: of course. So in this essay, you kept looking for the names of the people, often women, who were behind the scenes influencing and creating this style that we are all so familiar with. How much research did you do? How did you do some of it? What did you like, where, what, what was the string that you started pulling on to be like, okay, who actually made these?
1: So I think what really like unlocked it for me was, um, you know, I knew like, I knew about a couple of the male illustrators, like, um, Oh God, I'm going to get his name wrong. But, um, I think Frank, um, Callan did a lot of the Harlequin, like famous Harlequin illustrations and he's really interesting to me. And, you know, um, but I, I went looking specifically for like, <laughs> sort of who made Fabio and I real I found Elaine Willow, and I was like, Oh, well, of course a woman made Fabio, you know, like. And I think it's just, that's always been like an interesting, you know, a lot of people have written about this and talked about this, like my Rodale's written about this, like how like, you know, Fabio becomes the face of this entire genre that like is, you know, is mostly run by women. And, um and I was like, to me, that was just really fascinating to sort of, to, to like have a name and to think about, like, he sort of, you know, presented as this like, um this like, uh this sort of this independent phenomenon, like, oh, you know, Fabio is this, like, um, you know this sort of independent <laughs> creature that exists in there's no broader context, and she like first like, out of the forehead of Zeus, right? Exactly. There's this entire like industry and like um, you know behind the scenes business that's happening. That's mostly like that's mostly women. And, and, and the places where it's not women is also like an interesting thing to look at, like, you know, thinking about like, you know, a lot of times it's like the guy, like it's guys in the, you know, corner office and it's, you know, men in the wholesale business buying the books, but it is like, um, you know, it's like, once I realized that it was a woman who had painted those initial covers, I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Um, and that made it obvious to me. I was like, oh, well, you know, I bet if I keep looking, this is going to turn up again and again and again. So.
0: So, that is exactly the story that I was told by uh, Kate Duffy, who was an editor at Kensington. That when she would meet with all of these buyers, and this was her personal um, anecdote, that when she would meet with all of these buyers, it was hundreds of dudes from different small markets so there'd be the Kroger buyer for the Austin greater area and then mm-hmm. the Kroger buyer for another state and they wanted romance and they had an idea of what they wanted it to look like and they always gravitated towards big hair and big tits not a big surprise mm-hmm. um and you're saying it was more than that
1: i think you know i mean i'm sure that like that absolutely was like an element of it like to get you know to to get the books on the shelves you had to go through all those guys because like that's where the books were sold you know like they, a lot of them like a lot of it was, you know, purchases were happening in places like, like, you know, the suburban Atlanta Kroger. Um, But I do think that like, you know, it's not like, it's, you know, ultimately who buys them, right? It's like, you know, they have to go through the wholesaler first, but like, it's women, you know, who are buying these books at the end point. And I think that like, I also was looking at like the archives of RT And I think that, like, clearly, like, RT, you know, they always, like, really were drawing on this, like, visual style, like, they were really using that on the covers of all of their issues. And, you know, like, you know, there was this whole, like, you know, culture of, like, bookmarks of, you know, like, they would do, like, you know, there were all these, like, promotional bookmarks and stuff like that. And I think it became, you know, kind of clear to me that, like, you know, I think that, like, sort of, (laughs) maybe we can explain the, like, bursting out of the dress, by the wholesalers, but like I'm not sure that we can explain like I think there's more to a clinch cover than just than just that, you know? Um I think that like there's the like obviously there's like there's the guys, but there's also I think there's other I didn't get into this as much in the piece, but I kind of wish I had, but like I think that part of the clinch cover, it isn't just the clinch, it's like it is like the beautiful dress and it's like the they're always in some like fascinating landscape. Like I would love to like sit down and count up how many of the the covers had like boats in the background like they're always like on the high <laughs> planes or there's a boat and it's like about like adventure and like in these like you know suppose like spaces that are you know constructed like imagined to be like undomestic and I think that there's a lot of you know other things that are that are going into that you know, they are sort of that make up what a clinch cover is and I think that that I do think that like readers responded to that and I think that you know I think that that, that that's definitely something that we have to like, that, that's like good to acknowledge.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's not just the dress and it's not just the, the clinch and it's not just the hair. There's also the posture and the location and even the color scheme. It is, it, it is incredible to me how many, how much overlap there is between like things that are marketed towards teenagers and covers that are marketed on, on older romances. Mm-hmm. Like, Fuchsia has followed me my whole life.
1: (laughs) You can't escape it.
0: (laughs) I can't. No, between Lisa Frank and this, it's everywhere. (laughs) So what do you think are some of the elements or the reason behind those elements?
1: I mean, I think that, like, especially with sort of the historicals, it was like about, you know, sort of like, it was about, you know, adventure and like these, you know, larger than life characters and these larger than life storylines and like, You know, I I think a lot about the term like bodice ripper and sort of quote unquote, like, like a lot of times, if you look in the press of the time, they're calling them like bodice busters. And like, I know that that's like, often used as like a pejorative against the genre. But I I think it's like useful to think about like, what that can mean, like how how we can like, help that define like a subgenre in that like, it was like, it was like every, you know, like, if you read those early ones, it's like, they are kind of like, sort of you know, in a larger, like in an almost metaphorical sense, bursting out of their bodice all the time. Oh yeah, it's just like, it is a very literal name. <laughs> they like they cannot be contained. And I think, <laughs> I think I think a lot about this. Like, um, I mean, I'm 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 going to give away one of my favorite archival things that I've never written about, but really want to. Um, I think a lot about this other author who's really popular in the '70s called Mirabel Morgan. She's the um she's the um the um the Saran Wrap Lady. Um, if you've ever seen fried green tomatoes where she greets her husband in the saran wrap dress. Um, and she was this woman, this, like, she was like even an evangelical Christian woman. And she wrote all these self-help books about like how to like revitalize your marriage by totally submitting to your husband. And it was basically like, figure out what your husband likes and do it. If what your husband likes is you dressing up, like meeting your husband at the door in saran wrap, do it. And like, just totally submit to him. And like, you'll be so happy. You'll be a total woman. And I'm like really simplifying it. but. Um, You know, I think that there's, like, a contrast there between, like, you know, what, like, this, this, and she was, like, she sold millions of books, she was very popular, like, what this woman was telling women, and then sort of what probably some of the overlapping audience was reading in these, like, these bodice busters, which are, like, you know, they, like, if you, like, read, like, the widows and the Rogers, like, they they fight all of the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. they slap, just, slap, kiss. Yeah. Slap, <laughs> slap, slap, kiss. Yeah. And I think slap, that's slap, great. Yeah, pretty catchy. much. And I think there's something very interesting in, like, the sort of the image of, like, ah, you know, like, I'm going to, like, just, you know, chuck all my clothing and my hair is going everywhere. And, like, then we're going to get on a ship. And, like, I think there's just something, like you know, very interesting about that. Like the, you know, that says a lot about the time period and, and, you know, and like fantasy and, and, and stuff like that.
0: And that things that seem extreme are often reacting to something else. Mm hmm. So if if, if if this message is, you know, wrap yourself in saran wrap, submit to what your husband desires, become the embodiment of what your husband desires, the antithesis of that is, I am so full of adventure and rage and sex, I cannot even be contained by my clothing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's so contrary to what the, the stereotype of the genre is, you know. Um, I think that like it's <laughs> I do think it is almost like people like people outside the genre imagine the bodices being ripped and the people inside the genre imagine the bodices busting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's the, the heaving bosoms is is it is an internal eruption. It is not an external extraction.
1: Mm-hmm. I love the heaving bosoms.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I don't know if you know.
1: <laughs> you, you know, you might have mentioned it. Sorry,
0: I love them a lot. <laughs> so, what else that you had to cut that you w- had wish could have been in the article? Because I'm sure that the original draft of this was like what ten grand, 10, 10 k. Uh,
1: well, you know, I, I I did you know just pat myself on the back. I did a pretty good job of not overwriting this time, um, which is a new development. Um. <laughs> 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 um. so you know like so my favorite scene in any movie is um you know like the first 20 minutes of casino where they're just explaining how the casino works um like i like basically sort of the point of the piece was like i wanted to give people you know sort of a general interest way in and so it was sort of like talking about how you know this is the coverage you picture versus this is what's actually happening in the genre and sort of unpacking a lot of that Honestly, what I would have been just as happy to do is to write four thousand words on everything about the process of how these covers were created in this very specific moment, because I was I'm just obsessed with this idea of like Elaine Duillo talking to Bertrice Small and then being like, oh well, you know the pe-, and and I, I I found this um this illustration magazine where Elaine Duillo was like talk like explained a lot of her process and um she get you know and it was interesting to hear to read. Um, about sort of the cover creation in the context of the graphic art um, trade, you know, like sort of, it was interesting to get that perspective. And it was like, I just am obsessed with this idea of like her talking to Bertree Small about like, what happens in the book, what period it is. So then she like goes to this studio, because apparently they all they worked from photographs. And so they would go to this studio, um, this one specific studio where this guy had like a roster of models, this photographer had a roster of models, and he had like, a big collection of props and costumes and you know, she would pick the models, hire the models, put them in the costumes. He would shoot the photos and then she would go back to Hicksville, Long Island and she would paint this, this huge painting in like acrylic paint. And then she would bring it back in and she would hand deliver it to the art department. And then they would all go to like the society of the American illustrator for lunch or drinks or whatever. And I was just (laughs) obsessed with, like, imagining her day, like, just, (laughs) just, like, I just, the idea of, like, Elaine DeWillow on the, like, Long Island Railroad to come deliver this giant acrylic painting of, like, Fabio is just, like, (laughs) I cannot even tell you how much that thrills me to my core. (laughs) Like, I just, to me, it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, opposite day Mad Men, right? Like, Mad Men is about all these, like, you know, like, there's, like, about this, like, troubled male creative genius, like, you know, sadly commuting in from Westchester, like, the idea of just, like, I mean, you know, I don't, like, I don't know what she, you know, I don't really have a clear picture of what she looked like, so, of course, I'm just, like, imagining her with, like, beautiful pink acrylic nails, and like, with this huge painting, I just, I'm just obsessed with this image, (laughs) and that whole article could have been that.
0: (laughs) I did an interview several years ago that came about, this was like 2013. So this is already, you know, six years ago with an artist whose name was Joe DeCisere. And mm-hmm. he contacted me because I was writing about a Silhouette Desire cover. Oh,
1: yeah. Those are good.
0: And, you know, the guy is standing in front of a burning sunset and he's got his thumb on his chin. Like it's some kind of like Olin Mills photo shoot. <laughs> And he contacted me and was like, yeah, I painted that. I painted so many of those. Um, I have probably the original painting in my garage. Oh my I did like 200 plus romance covers from 84 to 98. And it was really great to see my work on your site. And I was like, holy shit. So I emailed him back and did this really long interview. And the thing I remember that, um, that, he, that he talked about was that what he was basically doing at the time was creating what he called a photorealistic oil painting, mm-hmm. which in current context is hilarious because now people are taking color photographs and trying to make them look like oil paintings.
1: So it's amazing.
0: Because <laughs> it's so expensive to have somebody commission an oil painting based oh. on, a, on a photo shoot, but it was the exact same thing. He went to a, a ph- photographer and he would take the shoots of the models and then he would just embellish the hell out of it. You oh, know, God. she might not have been wearing a dress with a brocade, but he was like, shoot, it's brocade. Let's add some. <laughs> That's so good. And he remembers so clearly, this is the detail that I was like, oh my gosh, Kelly needs to know about this. He remembers so clearly getting on the subway to take the photo or take the the flat to the publisher and the paint would be still wet. Oh my
1: God. I'm so, so on the New York subway, like nobody fucking touched me. <laughs> I was like, the idea, I just, I just like the idea of just like a huge like silhouette desire cover like on the one train. It's just like, yes! I just like can't even tell you like how, how thrilling I find that. Like, <laughs> right. I will send you
0: a link to this interview so that you can, you can have it for your archives. The thing that I love is that this gentleman now works as a painter for DreamWorks. Really? He, does dig- he does digital matte painting Um, So you basically paint the backgrounds of what he says. You paint in the background of the environmental elements that would be too costly to build. So the Emerald City was in and The Wizard of Oz was a matte painting. There's a whole series of the matte paintings that created the backdrops in Star Wars, which look real, but are actually matte paintings. So digital matte painting is what he does. And he worked on How to Train Your Dragon 2 and did some of the clouds, which were really freaking realistic.
1: Huh. That so sucks. I
0: love this. This you know that this incredible skill goes into something that I still watch and enjoy. Uh huh. And yet they're trying to take photographs and make them into photorealistic oil paintings, and they did them by the hundreds.
1: Huh. That's so amazing. I just, I like, I just, I love that. Like, like it's like this pocket universe. That I wouldn't know yes. about if I hadn't like started writing about this, and like. It was so interesting to me the way they like, clearly like it was like a, like a professional universe of people. Like they knew each other, like Elaine was married to a Western artist, like who did like Western covers. Um, And I think it's, it's just like, so interesting to me, just like to just peek into this world. It's like, it's just, it's like a favorite, my favorite part of my job. And it was, this was a particularly fun world to peek into. When you
0: were doing research for the, for the piece that ultimately ran on, on Valentine's Day. What were some of the things that you discovered that you just absolutely delighted you? What other things did you look for? Um, I mean, you started with Johnny Carson, which I thought was incredible.
1: Well, what's funny is I went, I was, I went to the Paley center in Manhattan, um, which, you know, they have all these clips um, like it's like a, like a TV archive. And I was yeah. looking for like Joan R- took for clips of him. He appeared like so many times on the Joan Rivers show. So I was, I was like, you know, I, I, I was, I was looking for places where sort of, you know, this was sort of presented to, sort of the mass, like the mass culture, you know, sort of the biggest possible audience, how was it presented? And I was like, I knew that he'd been on Joan Rivers several times. I was like, well, maybe I can find a clip of him on Joan Rivers. And I didn't find the one I wanted. I found like the, you know, an image of him on her QVC show, which was also fascinating. And I highly recommend if you can ever watch episodes of that, it's fascinating. Um, But I, so, you know, I, I was, I started just sort of like the, you know, the last thing I do before I, like leaving any sort of research thing like that is I just run a few more search terms there and just see what else I can find. And like every variation of like Fabio, you know, like Avon, Harlequin, romance cover, bodice ripper, like I'll just run all the search terms through and see what comes up. And I found this picture, this clip of Johnny Carson, like just making fun of the covers, which was like, exactly, it proved my point. Like I knew it was true. And like, it was just, it was like, I actually, I missed my performance review. I was I was supposed to go to my performance review and I literally just forgot about it until I got a like a like a DM message from my, from somebody being like, Kelly, uh, you know you're supposed to be at your performance review. and I was I, I like messaged my boss, I was like, I'm so sorry. She was like, I don't think it's gonna be a problem that you're super obsessed with your work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kelly is so obsessed with her work that she was watching Johnny Carson instead of going to her performance <laughs> review. <laughs> it was embarrassing but uh you know it was so that's um that's on brand
1: <laughs> um what else did what else did I find um oh I think my favorite thing was um I mean I could have oh, God, my favorite thing was to look at the um the trade advertisements in Publishers Weekly um because it's so interesting like, I'm you know I'm like I said I'm fascinated by like sort of like the whole sort of distribution system. And like, how does this, you know, how does this get from point A to point B? How are they marketing it? How does it get to the bookstores? What does it look like in the bookstores? And I'd always like, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd like, I'd really tried to find that stuff like that, like pictures of how these would have been displayed in like B. E. Dalton in the eighties the or whatever online. And, you know, it just doesn't like, I just wasn't turning anything up. And it turns out that there's a lot of images of stuff like that in the publisher's weekly archive. And, like it was just so interesting to see like sort of what, you know, how they positioned different lines and, you know, how they would have advertised different authors to industry professionals. Because you get much more granular stuff than, you know, like you'll get the picture of the the display. Like the like the, I found this one of the Shauna, like when they promoted Shauna, it was like <laughs> You know, you've got the Shauna cover, and then you've got the, all the all these copies of Shauna inside a big cardboard Shauna cover. You know, it's just like it's just really fascinating to me because then you can kind of picture like what does it look like at Carver, you know, and that's very interesting to me.
0: It, the way in which the, the the novels themselves are presented is almost as if if not more interesting or excuse me the the way that people talk about the novels themselves mm-hmm. is is almost as if not more interesting than the the actual picture of them like the way that people talk about them is so much there's so much going on there uh-huh yeah oh yeah and it reveals so much about attitudes towards women and sexuality and gender and fuchsia and all of the things that are packed into the cover meanwhile the cover has one job to do which is to get you to pick it up
1: Uh uh-huh uh-huh it's astonishing Mm Hmm. it's so it's so interesting like like and that's too like that's why i was like you know the there's this like idea idea that the covers are for the the like the middleman but i do think of like like when like in this interview in this illustrators magazine that Elaine DeWilla was like literally saying, you know, you have to, she was talking about putting the the clinch on the cover versus in the step back. And she was talking about thinking about like the woman who is shopping, she has one child in the stroller, and she has one child running down the aisle, and she has 30 seconds to pick a book. And I think that that is important to remember that like that, that's like the, the, the like material context in which these books were purchased. And I think that like that's, you know, that's I, like, I certainly, when I'm at the grocery store, my child is running away. That's definitely when I think about getting on a big fuchsia galleon, you know, like. Hell
0: yeah. <laughs> I am all about the fuchsia galleon, actually. One and one other thing I learned ages and ages ago when I was researching the, the first book, Beyond Heaving bosoms was that. There was not only an awareness that these books were being sold in that context, that you had a very small window with which to communicate to the buyer, uh, this is the genre, this is the type of book, this is the historical period, this is the kind of conflict you're going to get. Are they grasping each other with a lot of muscles or are they just sort of hanging out? Because if you really want tension and angst, you got to go for the muscles. There's all of these very subtle messages that are being sent in this one image that is being shopped for in a very limited amount of time. And yet, because the purchase was folded into the groceries and was part of the weekly shop, it was almost a hidden purchase. And I know of people now who, when they do their grocery shopping, if they are in a household where their purchases are inspected, the gift cards for a bookstore will be purchased at the grocery store so that the it's folded into the food purchase mm-hmm. and it's not seen so it's a hidden purchase on a with a very
1: obvious cover mm-hmm. yeah that's just an interesting tension
0: it is it really is now, you also wrote about elaine is it duilo it's Duillo. duilo duilo? I'm, not, duilo I'm not entirely sure i don't know this is the problem with the internet. <laughs> it doesn't always tell me the right way to say things. And if I do look it up, sometimes it's wrong. But either way, if I'm saying it wrong, I apologize. She is, as you noted in in your article, quoted as the Fabio artist, whereas she had an incredibly wide-ranging career. Mm-hmm. Had you heard of her before, or was she someone that you like really went did much more research on for this?
1: I did a lot more research on her. I hadn't, I wasn't familiar with her just because like it had sort of always been in the background, you know, it had been in my head that like oh, the covers are really interesting to me, but like I hadn't gone like done sort of, you know, a formal like research trawl on them. Um, but once she like, you know, sort of once I had her name, you know, that obviously like unlocks, like once you have a name you can look for, that suddenly you have a lot more stuff you can find.
0: Um, Absolutely.
1: And I think, I don't know, I think she's so interesting. Like, and then you can do, um, my one of my favorite research tricks is I'll go and I'll, I'll put things in, in eBay um, because that turns up old, um magazine coverage and so i found that old people magazine article i found the illustration magazine um and it's it's funny what'll turn up there whereas you could spend you know and like you could spend all day just sort of looking through like a general like looking through google or even like looking through the new york public libraries um search box but like sometimes that'll give you like a you'll just get like a, a weird specific item that'll just like turn up um <clears throat> which was which was really cool
0: wow I love looking on eBay for the cover flats, like the painted covers that are for sale. Oh,
1: same. Oh, I love- Do you have any, have you bought any? No, but one day, like one day I'm going to do it. Like one day I'm going to pull the trigger. I've let a couple get away and I very much regret it, but I'm like waiting for the perfect one.
0: <laughs> I have one on my office wall. It is behind me and it is uh, John DeSalvo in a hot pink gladiator toga. Oh my God. Grabbing a woman wearing a, a yellow dress, and she is at least 65% bosom. They are, they are, they are round, like the most perfect grapefruits you've ever seen, clearly. And there's like there's a there's a folly and some trees and some clouds. And I love this thing so much. Like it is my favorite thing. It was given to me by Kate Duffy when they cleaned out their offices and were moving. And she's like, Do you want this? And I was like, oh my god are you serious she's like yeah i have like five of them behind a file cabinet i have a feeling that they're like this weird currency where if you have too many of them it's like oh my god get them out of my garage but then when you want one you're like yes i will spend any amount of money for hot pink
1: gladiator fabio oh man i just i like i i i just i can't even tell you how badly i want to hang on my wall i actually the the one of our one of our illustrators at work did that cover like the cover image for me and she sent it to me and i was like I can't even tell you how thrilled I am. I'm going to print this. So I'm going to take it to Kinko's. I'm going to get it printed off in the highest quality. Living, <laughs> and I'm going to frame it. and I'm going to put it right over my desk.
0: It is gorgeous.
1: <laughs> I was like, could you just like, maybe like, you know, do like a couple of like a, you know, two of the couples and just sort of like do something. And she was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, uh I'll get back to you. And then she's like, sends me this. And it's like, Oh my god, what have you done? It's beautiful.
0: It is glorious.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, it is stunning. So
1: do you have do you have a favorite cover? How I mean how could I how could I even begin to pick? The one that I really want to find a copy of is I really want to find a copy of the version of the wolf and the dove that I read when I was like inappropriately young. Um, Yeah, because it was like it's not that like I have one of the 70s covers, um, but it's it was like the specific like it was clearly like it must have been done in the late 80s or something and designed to look like um, to be like more of a like a clinch cover of the era. And they're like in a forest and he's like wearing like a bearskin vest and it's just like. Like it just, you know, it's just like puts me in such a specific place in time thinking about it. And I really yeah. want to find a copy of it because I really need to like have the specific copy that I read. Um, oh, yeah. It was just like, you know, you looked at it and you were like, yeah, this is the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and the one where... <laughs> There's literal tit fucking on the cover. Oh my cover. god! You know, here's my embarrassing confession. Um, I have had that cover for a really long time, and I've put it in another article. And it wasn't until recently that I looked at it. And I was like, "Holy shit, he is fucking her tits!" Like, <laughs> like I don't think it even like clicked for me because, like, <laughs> imagine like a cover, a book cover, in again like the grocery store. He's fully fucking her tits. it's so incredible and he looks so bored
0: (laughs) and she's just like yes i have a thorny rose in my hand and my bosom is clearly above my dress and he's
1: butt naked he is fully just bare ass naked and i just i Uh, the best part about this is that people on twitter kept sending me other great um (laughs) other great uh, covers from her from the era and it was yeah. just, like, there's one where they've clearly added a scarf. And, like, he was really into painting. They all, like, have this flower crown happening, which is just very funny to me. It's, like, they all, like, left Coachella to go, you know, hang out with these medieval warriors or whatever. I just, I'm so good. Like, I just, I do like, I... I actually would like, know, oh, so like, I want to know about that cover specifically. I want to know, I want to know every letter they got about it. I want to know what, like the, I want to know if the wholesalers actually bought it. Like, I want to know, I want to know like what, like, you know, what did like,
0: how everyone, did this happen? Who
1: like did like, you know, like, was it like the topic of discussion at like Sunday school? Like what was the, everything about it. I just like, I'm dying to know everything there is to know about that cover. <laughs>
0: I mean, tender is the storm is probably one of the most explicit that I can think of. (laughs) There was one, there was one, I remember the couple are like chest deep in a waterfall. And I remember looking at it and being like, oh yeah, they're literally doing it (laughs) like that. Yep. Yep. They're fucking. (laughs)
1: Subtext becomes text.
0: it's not even subtle
1: <laughs> my personal
0: favorite cover that i will love for all of its problematic ridiculousness is the original silver angel by joanna Lindsay.
1: uh wait a minute, i'm googling it right now
0: okay so it's 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 a harem
1: romance
0: so oh, you know boy. there's 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 secret twins one of them has a harem and the other one is oh, english lord because of course oh, oh my god and she has white hair, like a, cl- a cloud of white hair cascading over the pillows. I believe her name is Chantal, and she's kidnapped and sold into the harem. And she is wearing what I can only describe oh my as God. <laughs> it is the most ridiculous costume. She's got, like, diaphanous baggy pants.
1: Oh, my God. This is – oh, my God. This is so much. <laughs> this is so much. Isn't it
0: wonderful? It is – my favorite of the ridiculous covers because there is so much going on not the least of which is her hair
1: i mean that's honestly what's the most incredible to me is like the the like 80s sofa covers like the, i'm sorry those are like the the like the the um brocade is like oh yeah that's like fr- from like from home and garden or whatever in 1983 for sure <laughs> Not a thousand times. Oh, boy. That's some big
0: paisley and some throw pillows from Pier One right there, <laughs> people. <laughs> oh, my God. Ooh. Yeah, this is my favorite. And he's got like gold armbands
1: on. Oh, right. Totally. Yeah. Totally yeah,
0: because right. that's what the, the sheiks wear, right? Oh, my God. And this book is complete and utter lunacy. Like, it is completely off the wall. Oh, boy. This book. Oh, boy. It's. This is, this narrowly edges out the Joanna Lindsay Defy Not the Heart where Fabio has long hair and is wearing purple tights.
1: Oh, oh wait, wait. That only is defy. I'm, I'm I'm double checking to see if this is the one that I think it is. Defy Not the Heart
0: is the one where you have Morticia Adams in red velvet V-neck oh, sitting on oh, Fabio's lap. Here's the one that I want the flat
1: of. Like I just, this is good. This is good. Yeah, she is Morticia. You know what? I can't believe she would do Gomez like that.
0: I know, right? They're my they're my power couple. You can't sit on Fabio's lap wearing purple tights. That's not okay.
1: <laughs> they are, those are absolutely purple tights. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh my All right. God. So you wrote in the
0: article that there was one cover where the male model had gotten an erection and she included it in the painting. Which book was this? Oh, my God.
1: I am, I'm dying to know if anybody has any information, <gasps> please contact me. <laughs> my oh, my, my god! I mean, it's fascinating because it's like it's so, it's such a like, of course, People Magazine spotted that. <laughs> like, oh, sure. it's, it's like exactly the kind of detail they went in there looking for. Um, I promise you that. Um, I am, I would <laughs> love to know. I'm, I'm dying to know. Unfortunately, they do not specify. I would love, I would love for somebody to tell me what was up with that.
0: I would just like you to know that you should not Google image search romance novel co- <laughs> romance novel cover with boner. That's a bad idea.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: no. Neither should you image search romance novel cover with
1: erection. <laughs> That's bad. Don't do uh, it. Yeah. Just trust me uh, on this. Just, you know, yeah, I'm going to just take a hard pass on that.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I can't believe that they would put a detail in
1: that, like that in a magazine and then not tell you which one it was. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's like, I can't account for the editorial decision personally, but. uh.
0: (laughs) I have questions.
1: (laughs) I have many questions. I mean, hopefully the fact checker verified it.
0: (laughs) Right? I mean, it, somebody knows. Somebody has to know which one has the erection. Now, watch. You and I are both going to get an incredible onslaught of cover image. Like, that guy's got a boner. Right. That guy's got a boner. We're going to have like nothing but At boners. Add me on
1: Twitter if you know where the boner is. <laughs> it's like the worst podcast ever. Sarah and Kelly have the boners. <laughs> <laughs> Mm.
0: what did you learn in the process of writing this article that you were surprised by was there anything where you were like holy shit or was this a lot of confirming things that you had already suspected because you're pretty fluent in the genre it's not like you were coming in like what no this can't be true you know
1: what I think my favorite thing was was I like I'm really fascinated by the studio where they all shot and I'm really like because I I don't know how I thought they were doing these covers like I don't know what I what I was picturing but um, it's this guy named like his name like it was like Robert Austinich Studios, and you know Duello says that like everybody used him, um, and it was like really you know he was really popular. He had all the models, he had all the, the props. Um, and I think that actually was the most surprising and fascinating thing to me, just because it's like it makes total sense once you know it, but just like the image of this one studio where they're shooting all of these, you know, the photos for all of these covers, and I think he did like a lot of sheets for paperback covers like I did um you know I of course like immediately went google image searching and I found two like I found um a couple of you know like a romance specific photo but also um it was like a shoot of like a western cover or something um and it's just just such an interesting image to me to picture and and my editor who knows a lot about art history was like this is literally how studio painting used to work like it was like too you know expensive to like have all of the models and all of the props and everything so like artists would literally do this exact same thing, um, historically speaking, which I thought was really interesting as well. So I think that was like my favorite, you know, my favorite thing that I became like totally obsessed with that I, that I was just like kind of surprised, you know, surprised to learn. Um, I thought it was just really cool. And it's almost like a,
0: like a lo- becoming a lost art.
1: Yeah. I mean, it makes me so sad. Like, you know, obviously like, you know, um, <laughs> like, you know, like the content business is not as flush with cash as it used to be. Um, the devil <laughs> you say. Like it's like it's one of those things. Like copy editors. Like it's like you know I like you know people in the comments will be like, Why? Why? You got all the wrong commas in here?" And I'm like, "Trust me, there's nothing that would thrill me more than to have a copy editor." Um, like I think that it's like I know why they don't do them anymore, but I just I feel like it's just such a lost art, and I just love them. I love the I love the like the painted covers so much, and I'm just like really sad that. That that's no longer feasible,
0: and it's it it's funny for me as a as a consumer. I struggle with historicals that have color photography covers because it just strikes my brain as such an an anachronism. And it's a silly one; like it shouldn't stop me that much. But I'm like, oh, that's a photograph, and that's very shiny fabric. That doesn't Mm -hmm. that doesn't look right. And it's not like oh, I don't like this historical inaccuracy. I don't give a shit if the (laughs) As I've said, if the Duke drives a Porsche to Allmax, like I don't <laughs> care, Um he can go to the drive-through. I really don't give a shit. But like the the conditioning that I have grown through as a reader from a young age, seeing a color photograph with like lighting and shiny and flash, like I'm very confused. I need I need art and brush strokes and candlelight that's what's on a cover I need ridiculous sunset I need the wind from five directions uh-huh. you can't fake that
1: <laughs> <laughs> you really can't I mean it's just like, it's no. such a bummer to me um because I'm you know I just I will because I like when I started reading it was like sort of the last great era of the painted you know the like I mean at this point they were like well into the step back era but um like you know all those like like you know like the Lisa Kleypas interior covers where it was like you know, like I I stumbled upon the artist's website who did a lot of those, and he was saying like he, there's a couple that are like literally references to rococo like Rauchy rococo painters, um which I got a huge kick out of. Um, and it's just like I don't know, I just I, they just, to me they'll just like because that's when I you know first got into romance. They'll that's what'll always say like this is a historical romance. Like look at all the beautiful soft pink satin. You know, it's like that'll just. That association will never go away for me.
0: Yep. Big gown. (laughs) (laughs) So you are incredibly fluent in the genre and you have all of this knowledge of it. What are you working on or writing or working on now regarding romance?
1: I mean, at the moment, I'm like kind of, I'm kind of like taking a breather because I did this and I was like, okay, let's let it, let's let the field lie fallow for a little bit. Um, but I'm trying to think of what else like there's, I don't know, I'm I would actually really there's several leads that I would like to chase from this, like, I would like to talk to somebody who was involved with the, um, the, the studio. And I would, I would love to like find, you know, I would love to talk to some people, like do actual like, you know, like an oral history or something with the folks who, like, who actually did a lot of this. Because um, I didn't do that many interviews for this. I did a lot of like archival research, but I'd love to talk to people. Um, and do like a, you know, follow up piece. Um, just cause there's so many, like every time you talk to people, there's so many, there's always so many good details that come out. Um, and actually it's funny because I've, I really want to get, like, I've written a lot about romance novels and I read a lot about, I've, you know, I read them all the time and I've always like, I've been a fan for, you know, many, many years, but I like, I really want to do a bunch of like reading and like possibly start writing about soap operas because I don't really know anything about soap opera, but I think it's like an interesting part of TV history. And I would like to be more literate about it. And I would like to understand more about sort of the tropes and the history. And because it's like, it's this funny sort of cousin in terms of like popular imagination to romance, but it's like such a different narrative style because it's like the, the romance is like, it's like you close, it's like you read it and you close the circuit, right? It's like you read from beginning to end, it climaxes, there's a happily ever after. And it's like, it's like a loop. Right. Whereas like soap operas, like, just keep, they keep going. Like, I mean like they're decades and decades old. And just, I just, I think that it's so interesting how, um, how they're sort of, they run in these parallel tracks that don't intersect. And I would like to understand it. Like I would like to understand the history of that, that genre better. Um, so that's what I'm like obsessed with right now. It's like
0: they're cousins, yeah. but yeah. But they are not always the same in a lot of ways. And they're like, I don't follow soaps because they don't end. I am all about the end.
1: <laughs> yeah, same. And I'm just, I'm, I don't know. I'm like, very, I'm just very, I, I would like to understand it better and like, you know, sort of have a better grasp on its history. Because I, I mean, it's like a foundational part of TV. Um, and yes. I just and I also interviewed this, this author about the blacklist and how the TV blacklist worked. And I think a lot of times people- Um, you know, sometimes who couldn't get work and um, who were sort of blacklisted, like, you know, there was, soap operas was one of the places where, um, you know, they, like the sort of the, you know, red hunters weren't as concentrated on. And um, I learned this fascinating detail where, like, I think the the creator of General Hospital, her father had been a socialist mayor of Milwaukee, which... (laughs) Wow. So I'm just, I don't know, I'm just like, I'm I'm really interested in what's going on there. So like, that's sort of something I'm obsessed with right now, and sort of want to do a bunch of reading about and, like, try to try to understand. And i just like, I'm just really drawn to that sort of um, body of stories that's like, sort of, um, like, often dominated by women and, you know, very aggressively that's... stereotyped. And um, I just think there's always like, there's usually, there's things that are Whenever you look at something like that, that is a often a punchline, there's almost always, there is always something more interesting going on there. You know, there's like, if you actually do the deep dive, it's like, you're going to find you know, a million fascinating stories in that world.
0: Yes. And um, it's generational. Like you inherit following those stories from an, uh, usually from a woman in, in your, in your immediate family or mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you either sneak watching them or you start watching them with your babysitter, your aunt, your mother, your grandmother, your sister, mm-hmm. someone.
1: And that's exactly where you get romance novels from.
0: Exactly. It is our, it is our quiet story inheritance.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like that is why, I mean, it's like, that's probably why I'm a romance reader instead of a soap opera, as my mom and my grandmother were romance readers, not soap opera watchers. So and if I'd spent more time with my great grandmother, who was a soap, ro- soap watcher, maybe I would have been a soap watcher instead. I don't know. It's an interesting like pattern of transmission too. So, what are
0: you reading that you want to tell people about?
1: Um, so, I mean, not to galley brag, but I just got the, a net, gally a brag a, a net galley um, copy of Lucy Lucy Parker's new book, which I'm tremendously excited about. I'm like, oh, uh, you know, I, I would have, you know, if she, like she could, you know, be writing stories about what was happening in the phone book, and I would be delighted to read it, but. I'm like, especially excited that it's like involves Austin because, you know, obviously, you know, I love, love anything that involves Jane Austen. Um, and what else, there was something else I was going to mention. Let me look at my Kindle here. You know what I read recently that I enjoyed was, um, like I used to read a bunch of fantasy as a teenager and I sort of, um, I don't read it as much now. I read much more romance, but I read Naomi Novik's Uprooted and it was like very much Relevant to the interests of a romance, of a romance. Oh, yes, it was. (laughs) Um, I really enjoyed that. I just read. um, I finally read Meredith Duran's last book, *The Sins of Lord Lockwood*. Um, And what else did I read? Oh, in the Ginny Holiday books um, about the misbehaving bridesmaids, I really enjoyed. Uh, Ooh. What else? I'm also. (laughs) I've also just downloaded the book about. Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes and I'm very excited to read that but that's probably there's I from what I understand there's no romance in the nonfiction book about the uh, Silicon Valley startup that wasn't <laughs> 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 um, I also went back and somebody was talking about I was reading a Twitter thread about like the wildest like the wildest scenes from romances you re- have read um, yeah. somebody mentioned patience and passion by Lisa Valdez on there. And so, oh, dude. <laughs> and oh, those, dude. And those were like, whoa. Like, you know, they didn't look like, you know, they were, I don't think of things from, like, before sort of Kendall Unlimited as being as wild as they were, but it, they absolutely were. <laughs> like, it was like, so they were, they were really over the top. And I enjoyed them. <laughs>
0: Oh yes <laughs> yes they yes the, yes yes oh yeah like, what is
1: is like is this even anatomically possible uh <laughs> those were
0: so over the top
1: <laughs> We don't get a lot of books like that anymore yeah that was like I think the part of the reason that they fascinated me is because they reminded me of like you know their boss is busting you know that's that's what type of book it was and I think that every now and then I just love to read like a real old-fashioned just like, like, you can't even, like, believe what, you know, like, <laughs> you can't even believe what you're reading. Like, that's just, I feel like the pleasure of that type of book is just, you're just like, oh, my God, you know? <laughs> it really, like, brings you back to your teenage years. And you're like, is that, can they do that? <laughs> 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 I'm not sure you can, but. <laughs> and, you know, some fuchsia. Fuchsia
0: on the cover. Oh, yeah. Wait, nothing. It, there's a very specific type of romance that I associate with fuchsia. <laughs> and I think you have to be talking to someone who's read a lot of romance to fully com- communicate what fuchsia romance is. <laughs> it's a very specific thing, but the over the topness is like a requirement.
1: Yeah. 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 I love it. I love fuchsia. I love the fuchsia books. That's like what I love about the wild covers and the, you know, the bodice busters and the fuchsia. It's just like it's just so totally does not give a shit that I just I find it just like invigorating, <laughs> you know, it's just, I just love it. <laughs> and
0: that brings us to the end of this week's episode. I want to thank Kelly for hanging out with me. And as she said, at her on Twitter, if you know where the boner is, which out of context is like the most fun thing to say. <laughs> you can find Kelly on Twitter at Kelly Faircloth. And all of her writing at Jezebel is at kinja.com slash Kelly Faircloth. And I will, of course, have links to both places. If you would like to email me, if you have thoughts, Questions, suggestions, you want me to tell you to do things in a different way, I can do that. I'm not very bossy most of the time, but I can try to be. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can leave us a message or tell me a terrible joke at 1201-371-3272. I love hearing from you. You always have interesting things to say, and so always feel free to email me. And if you would like to see us record a podcast live and you are attending Book Lovers Con, here are the details that you need. Thursday, May 16, 3.30 p.m. local time in Imperial 5C. Amanda, Elise, and I will be doing a live podcast recording. We love it when you hang out and join us and make it more silly, and we're going to really try to make sure there's wine for everybody. There is a link to RSVP just so we know how many chairs we'll need, but it's free for people who are attending Book Lovers Con, so if you're making the trip down to New Orleans, I hope you'll join us because we would love to see you. This week's episode transcript is brought to you by the Patreon community. If you have supported the show with a pledge of any amount, it is deeply appreciated. I have new goals for the Patreon community because I'd like to level up the show. Have a look at patreon.com slash Bitches. Monthly pledges start at $1. Every pledge makes a deeply appreciated difference. And we have some new patron goals. For example... At 350 patrons, we will start doing quarterly ask-us-anything conversations. And um, if Elise has had some crack and rum and coke, that could be a really fun conversation. We'll try to make that happen. We could just ask her about The Bachelor <laughs> and just let her go. But either way, it would be wonderful if you were to join the Patreon community. So have a look at patreon.com slash bitches. Thank you so much for your support. It keeps the show going, and I can't tell you how much it means to me. The music you are listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. This is Caravan Palace from their two-album set, Panic and Caravan Palace. This track is called Lazy Place. I hope that you have one and that that is where you do your reading. You can find this album on Amazon or iTunes or wherever you buy your funky music. And you can find out more about Caravan Palace, who make excellent music to work to, at caravanpalace.com coming up on Smart Bitches this week. By request, we are going to be doing What You're Reading twice a month. We love hearing what you're reading and we had requests to do that post more frequently so we could keep up with one another. So here you go. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about books and then we're going to buy more books because that's how we roll. We also have a guest review this weekend of Netflix's Sex Education. So if you've been thinking maybe you want to watch it, have a look at this review and make your decision with lots more information. On Monday, Robin Bakar is sponsoring the Caption That Cover contest, and, well, you you have to see her cover. It is so terrific because of who the heroine pictured looks like, really, really looks like. We also have some new reviews for books that we've enjoyed, and a rec league that I know will contain some catnip for many of you. Plus, books on sale, and help a bitch out, so I hope you will come and hang out with us at SmartBitchesTrashyBooks.com this week. However... Did you know? You could also go to trashybooks.com and smartpitches.com, and it all ends up at the same place. I know URLs are amazing. I will have links to the books that we talked about, some of the original cover art, the Q&A, and the original article that inspired me to contact Kelly and say, please talk to me about this. This was so cool. She's amazing. I am so excited that I get to read her writing whenever she publishes it. And now it's time for the bad joke. Are you ready for the bad joke? This is so bad. I love it so much. What do you call... A werewolf youtuber you should see my face I'm trying so hard not to laugh what do you call a werewolf youtuber a like and subscribe <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb i love it so much okay <clears throat> yes that is what you call a werewolf or like youtuber a like and subscribe that is from reddit user it's mo yo and i am so deeply grateful for that joke because every time i think of it i start laughing like a goofball <laughs> like and subscribe <laughs> oh okay i'm gonna go back to being professional now there's actual tears on my face and i have to wipe my face oh my gosh <laughs> like and subscribe so dumb and i love it so much Um, okay on behalf of kelly faircloth and everyone here including my dog who is really mad that the garbage men came and took the trash away we wish you the very best of reading have a wonderful weekend and we will see you back here next week